Hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of Inside Graphic Novels. I'm your host Farid Haq and I'm excited to be able to take you back into a journey where we're going to discover new graphic novels, some of the people that make them as special as they are, and of course dive straight into the stories and hopefully encourage you to go out there and grab a coffee off a shelf or off a web page as soon as you can. Thank you once again for joining me. And so let's get stuck straight in. For millions of fans around the world, this theme only means one thing. Wait for it. So clearly, if you haven't figured it out by now, you're not a Trekkie. But for the rest of you who know exactly where this is from, then you know that I'm talking about nothing other than Star Trek. The series that changed the world, but more importantly, that gave roles to some of the most important actors of that generation, including the likes of George Takei. Now, I'm talking about George Takei because he's actually uh, the subject of a graphic novel called They Called Us Enemy. An incredibly important piece of work uh, that is all about uh, the plight of Japanese Americans in the face of the attack on Pearl Harbor. And for most of you who have heard of um, this podcast and have, may have listened to previous episodes, then you know what a huge fan I am of historical and biographical graphic novels. And believe me, this does not disappoint. Uh, it really isn't one of those uh, graphic novels where they've slapped on the name of somebody famous and someone's done a, a great job of writing up somebody else's life story. And it doesn't feel like the person who they're writing about is intimately involved in the project. This is quite the opposite. And um, I'll give you a number of clues as we go through this book on why I say that. And more importantly, it helps us face the very grim and sober history uh, of the United States in the face of um, the creation, I think, of the for the very first time of um, enemy combatant almost within their own nation and how some things really rather disappointingly haven't changed all that much if we fast forward to today. However, the book, the graphic novel itself, which is a superb collaboration between uh, Harmony Becker, the artist, Justin, uh, Justin Isinger uh, and Stephen Scott, uh, of course, very, very ably guided and directed perhaps by George Teke is just a magnificent uh, piece of work and strongly recommend reading it. So let's get into the story and understand a little bit more about little George, how he got his name and very importantly, uh, what on earth an internment camp actually was way back in the day. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.
In another episode that we recorded recently, uh, we spoke with trying teacher Michael um, about uh, the plight of another American uh, Asian group, which was the Chinese Americans on the West Coast, and how they struggled with significant amounts of discrimination and even targeting by the Klan on the West Coast in California. And here we are now focused on yet another Asian American group um, in the book they called as Enemy, with the focus being on Japanese Americans. Most of the story um, and the graphic novel is a black and white treat with a little over 200 pages centers around the life that most of uh, those Japanese Americans experienced around these so-called um, relocation centers or internment camps. And I thought what was particularly uh, entertaining throughout the uh, graphic novel, and it, it keeps a great pace, but we are talking about a little over 200 pages. So uh, there is a lot of back and forth between the life that George Takei's family was living, um, as well as a number of the uh, other characters that revolve around their family, uh, and more so the larger context within the US and the political going-ons between, uh, whether it's at a federal level or at a state level, uh, the authors and the storytelling does a very good job of putting you smack in the center of that story. Uh, if you ever wondered what life was like inside some of those internment camps, uh, this is that inside-out perspective of George when he's a young boy with his family uh, as they've been rushed off their feet and taken out to this um, the, these camps. And, and that journey uh, and, and the suddenness of it all where his family are asked to pack up with almost no notice and and all through that what is rather remarkable and i'm sure almost every one of us can relate to this uh, is that george takei's mom um, his mother happens to have enough time to pack some food um, and and some things to keep her children busy and occupied as well as managing to steal away a really significant piece of um, machinery which was absolutely forbidden so you can see that as almost her uh, little protest against what was going on and uh, as a instrument the storytellers use this really effectively it's very poignant on how that little sewing machine becomes a effective uh, emotional instrument throughout the story and I won't spoil it for you on how they really tug at our heartstrings but they but they do do a really good job with it uh, the other I guess really fascinating bit for me was the economy inside the camps that is shown throughout the story and how we are introduced to um, almost this hierarchy within the camp as well between those that are uh, organized and are being, I guess I wouldn't use the term used by um, the administration to communicate, but but rather are facilitating communication with the broader 
uh, residents of some of these internment camps because again we're not talking about small camps of like 30 40 100 people we're talking about some of the camps like the rower uh, relocation center which was based in arkansas had about 8500 people which is really where george Take and his family end up um and rather helpfully this the uh, artists have created a map that shows you all 10 of those internment sites across the different across the different states and across the country so that provides sort of a visual of you know it wasn't really a state specific phenomena it, it had spread and and i guess there were enough japanese americans then to really try and organize these internment camps um all over the country and uh i mentioned the fact that we actually see sort of a hierarchy between those helping uh, the administration but there's also another kind of social hierarchy and that's between the different generations of japanese americans that are actually in these internment camps uh, and i'm referring specifically here to um, the first second and third generation japanese americans which are referred to as the issei the nisei and the sansei uh, which comes very much from the uh, and and I did a lot of judo when I was a kid um so ich ni san is the 1 2 3 in japanese um and and so you can see that as in the case of most immigrant groups um the ones that come before and settle down and see themselves very much as embedded in the fabric of a country uh and then have kids and then their kids have kids those kids or latter generations almost see the earlier ones as 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 being um you know those that are closest to the original indigenous cultures that they came from uh and would would almost see new immigrants from uh, a country like Japan as being fresh off the boat so they really consider themselves to be american so the irony is not lost here in that you have successive generations of japanese and almost all of them are being you know relocated to these um internment camps and being held against their will uh this is a really really emotional story and i'm sure for the vast majority of japanese americans such a sobering reality for where they were just in the 1940s i mean we haven't really it's not even been 100 years um and and uh, one just needs to look at how i guess um events beyond the scope of your own nation can then affect you just on the basis of your nationality or or the color of your skin so really really powerful um book here uh really really great resource i think for history uh, and and also to help teach again that whole concept of how to be uh conscious uh of racism and its history i think especially in today's context um so while we reflect on that uh, i do want you to also consider that a lot of the views that you see at least early on in the story are that of George as a young boy and the story takes you progressively um through his life all the way up to modern day um that itself again is super entertaining because it just shows you how he went from adversity to great success over the course of his career 
So of the many things that get recognized uh, for graphic novels are their very entertaining and sometimes ingenious covers. In this particular case, uh, I, I am really impressed with the cover, but it's really the back cover that blew me away. And if you pick up the graphic novel and you take a look at it uh, and you see the way the artist has captured both the Japanese and American flags in one uh, illustration, almost like a unity. Um, and, and what is, of course, ironic about that is that this is exactly what uh, the subject grapples with all through the book and also manages to showcase the entire family, George, his brother, his sister, and his parents in the back of the book. So it becomes a lot more um, arresting and important once you've really read the book and you sort of flip back again. But it, it is a rather uh, exciting bit of art, uh, it, and, and I think should be appreciated and thought about a little bit more once you've read through the whole graphic novel. So having said that, I, I want to turn a little bit to the story again. And one of the parts that I found particularly um, insightful was how the internment camp that uh, George Takei's family was based at reacted to the horrific uh, bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki and uh, here they almost are shown as going through all of those different stages of denial, anger, acceptance and then eventually grief because we see that his uh, maternal grandparents are potentially involved and again I won't spoil the story for you so you'll have to read on and find out what really happens but the fact that so many of those people that were based at the internment camp believe that it's propaganda from the uh, you know American government to make them believe that the nation of Japan has been cowed by the uh, atomic bomb is in itself um, insightful and shows the frame of mind that many of those people must have been in. So uh, that that entire chapter is a fascinating one. And of course, the, the second stage after denial is anger. And then the author and the illustrators show this um, phase where people are rioting and they're upset. And eventually there, there comes that calm of acceptance. And then finally, of course, the grief follows. And uh, we see the storyline uh, as it sort of inches forward um, towards the 200 page mark also talk about this uh, device that the American government introduced around facilitating uh, a renunciation of citizenship for those Japanese American families. Now, this was a particularly evil uh, act in my opinion, because Clearly, for those Japanese Americans that had become Americans and didn't have any other citizenship, it would have been uh, against human rights to strip them of their citizenship um, and leave them as uh, citizens of nowhere. So uh, some of those lawmakers came up with this um, evil act to allow them to voluntarily give up their American citizenship and therefore almost provide the platform for them to be repatriated with Japan and 
their families from where they came from. So this was uh, particularly painful because uh, for George Sake because his own mother uh, actually gave up her she signed the papers and basically gave up her american citizenship for a period of time uh, and uh, only until this wonderful american litigator uh, called wayne collins steps into the fray and together with the american civil liberties union uh, he fought cases thousands of cases helping families and, and people much like george Takei's mom win back her citizenship uh, because of course that was unjust and it was unfair and and probably uh, illegal in by any moral standards so uh, we see that story also being told very powerfully throughout this uh, graphic novel and i think there's a lot of reverence throughout the whole story about the role that George Takei's father played throughout this whole narrative. And you'll see him sort of uh, reflecting back on, uh, to the role that his father played both at the camp in helping other families, to how he shared the story um, with George himself and almost never really took out his anger. Um, he's shown as a very patient man, as a man who uh, believes in almost going through the process and, and not fighting the process, but, but rather working through it to achieve the best possible outcome for his family and all of those around him. So clearly a very uh, important thing that he did for his community and the sacrifice that he gave, not just for them, but also his own family. Ultimately, uh, George Takei's father, who had uh, been in dry cleaning as a business, returns to that um, once they are let go from the internment camps and the war is over and they sort of get there, you know, it's okay to go home. Uh, but here's the difficult part and, and, and your heart really, uh, you know, feels for these people because they've been kept in the internment camps for so long that what life do they have outside? I mean, their property had been taken uh, by the state and by others, and um, they didn't have anything to their name, really. They, most of them had to start from scratch. And what is heartbreaking is seeing those families march back into these, um, uh, these alleyways and these streets where they, uh, they had to spend their nights in squalor and amongst the homeless and uh, you you can smell the stink through the pages and and almost uh, feel for those families who had to keep their kids in in those conditions and and can you just imagine the level of confusion with those families at least with the children and how traumatic that must have been for those kids to go from you know regular homes to internment camps to being homeless and out in the street and then having to find their way back again into regular society so that must have been just so so hard for so many people in any case george takei's um personal story manifests ultimately in him going uh, and going back to school for theater and he's at ucla and they show 
him going through this phase where he's performing and he's working his way through the industry. And one of those magic things that happens through that journey is that he does a performance where Martin Luther King Jr. is, um, uh, uh, you know, MLK is in the audience and he gets to meet him after the performance. And and that is just so, uh, and, and as if that's not enough, later on he gets to actually march in the streets of San Francisco with uh, behind him okay and and so you know the black lives matter uh, is demonstrated in George Takei's personal narrative here as well and he's clearly been an activist for a very long period of time um now while all this is happening what i find the storytelling uh, has done very very well is in the backdrop show how uh, George Takei in today's uh, time is grappling with sitting at um, the Roosevelt uh, home at an event and of course is using his um, his position in society and also the platform that he's been afforded through his great success um, uh, because of his uh, acting career to promote what actually had happened to his family and to the plight of so many uh, Japanese American families. Um, that whole struggle is really interesting because there's so much tied back to the fact that it was President Roosevelt who, by signing that uh, executive order 9066, that first put the Japanese American community on notice and really set the wheels in motion for the internment camps that came afterwards. So there is a huge part of the story that his father grapples with, that he grapples with. Um, but again, I'm not going to give away uh, what happens, but the interaction between uh, George Takei and um, the late Roosevelt's wife is interesting, as is uh, what happens later on when he's at his home. Um, I do want to talk briefly a little bit about uh, the whole, the acting journey for George Takei and how magnificently that's shown uh, in the graphic novel. And what is particularly interesting is how uh, there is a bit, and I didn't know this, but uh, he also acted in the original Mission Impossible. And then later on, of course, when he goes on to Lucille Ball and um, uh, Desi Arnaz's uh, uh, Desilu Studios, and, and uh, Desi Arnaz was a Cuban-American, so already you can see that that studio was probably much more forward-thinking in, in terms of who they could cast for what, but he was being sought after for the role of uh, Sulu, which of course we now all know him as the science officer on board um, the spaceship uh, that provided the uh, the backdrop for Star Trek. So, so uh, fascinating how we see him really wanting that role because for him, I guess that that role. Uh, is first time that he sees uh, Japanese or Asian Americans as not being represented in an evil light or in a positive uh, role, which is a hugely exciting moment for him because he feels that he can actually be an ambassador for uh, all of those 
Asian American families, which have been demonized by uh, the media and by, um, I guess, the silver screen at that point. So he really guns for that role. And of course, um, we all know that he gets the role and goes on to become terribly famous. And uh, I think what is fascinating is, of course, that uh, over the course of time, and, and this only happens when a Reagan uh, is uh, the Reagan administration announces um, uh, some payments uh, in as restitution uh, to those families that actually went through the internment. They paid back about $20,000. And uh, George Sakai's whole thing is that it's not about the money, but rather later on, the it's about the actual apology. And, and I think the recognition that in a country like America, there is still humanity in that people can reflect back and um, and and actually chastise those that made the wrong choices and pay quite literally for those mistakes. Um, and and that payment may never be enough for all of those thousands of families that were affected. But certainly the recognition and the written apology from the president goes a long way, at least for George Takei. Um, and what is lovely is that he actually makes an, an, an analogy um, to how there were some executive orders that stopped um, immigration and um, arrivals from Muslim countries reflecting back on, you know, was, wasn't that a big mistake? I mean, why, why is it that um, as Barack Obama says and is quoted later on in the book that you know we don't learn from uh, those mistakes uh, that we've made in the past and and that's really what history is all about is learning uh, I guess studying the past um, to learn for the future but it seems like um, most nations most administrations most governments fail to do that but so all in all hugely uplifting and educational graphic novel uh, pulled together by the Top Shelf uh, Productions team and massive amount of respect uh, to George Takei uh, for actually penning his story and sharing it with all of us. I hope you're going to be able to uh, pick up a copy of this really, really important book and enjoy it as much as I did. Thanks for listening.